Our speaker tonight is our upper school chaplain, chapel worship leader, speaker, geometry teacher, video production instructor, cross-country coach, as well as our ninth to 12th grade Bible teacher. It doesn't sound like I keep him busy enough. <laughs> it is my honor to call upon Pastor Kainoa Valente to address our graduates. Good morning, elder, or not morning, wow, it's been a long day, <laughs> belay that. Good evening, elders, pastoral staff, teachers, faculty, administration, family, friends, and loved ones, welcome to commencement 2019. I am honored to be with you all this evening as the commencement speaker for Kaimaki Christian School Class of 2019, the last of the inaugural classes a reference to those first four high school classes whose parents took a risk on sending their student to a brand new high school. I would like to personally thank you for entrusting us with your children. I believe you have much to be proud of and would venture that you have received an outstanding return for your investment. The first time and well, last time you personally heard from me, I was introducing myself to you in the first and only parent newsletter I sent out during your student's sophomore year, in which I stated, when I'm not teaching, I enjoy watching movies, reading books, especially about Navy SEALs, and working out. More on the second item later, but if you were to ask your students what my favorite movie of all time is, they would almost unanimously, emphatically point to the cinematic masterpiece released in 1986, known as Top Gun. <laughs> now, if you boil the movie Top Gun down to its most basic elements, you could say that the majority of the movie is simply about a guy who goes to school. That is, if by guy, you mean hotshot naval aviator Pete Maverick Mitchell, iconically portrayed by Tom Cruise, and by school, you are referring to the Navy Fighter Weapons School where the Navy trained its elite pilots in advanced air combat maneuvering, dogfighting that is. At the outset of the movie, after an engagement with the enemy that leaves his wingman badly shaken up and results in his advancement uh, within the squadron, our protagonist receives orders to top gun. And he mistakenly believes that he has finally made it, that all he needs to do is cruise, pun intended, on his natural abilities and he should have no problem winning the Top Gun trophy. However, things do not go as planned. His classmates are just as skilled, if not more so than he, and where they may lack his raw talent, their self-discipline and mastery of the fundamentals of air-to-air -air combat make them just as lethal, if not more, consistently effective. He encounters challenges of every sort, from relationship issues to tragic personal loss and even reaches a point in which he is in danger of not graduating. Perhaps some of you can relate. Yet Maverick does graduate. And spoiler alert, so do all of you. And it is at his graduation ceremony that he immediately learns that the point of Top Gun was not merely to go to school, graduate at the top of the class, and win an award. 
He and his fellow graduates are called upon to utilize their highly developed skills to defend a disabled American ship that has drifted into hostile waters. They have a mission to complete. You, the class of 2019, are no different. The point of high school is not high school, nor is it to go on to yet another school, and for some of you, another school, and then another school, and then another school. Don't know who that'd be. But the purpose of high school is to begin the preparation for the mission you have to complete. But what is that mission? In Top Gun, it's as simple as defend a ship and shoot down the bad guys. The overall mission of the Navy itself, to which all the smaller individual missions contribute, is to maintain, train, and equip combat-ready naval forces capable of winning wars, deterring aggression, and maintaining freedom of the seas. And I mean, even KCS, we have a clear, defined mission to educate each child to his or her God-intended potential. But what is your mission? To borrow from the example of the Navy, my colleagues and I would contend that the overall mission of every Christian is, to, is found in the great commission, that we are to go and make disciples of all nations. And it is in that small, two-letter word, go, in which I believe your personal, individual mission will be found. But how, then, should you go? For that, we look to another group of 12 students, ready to leave their teacher for the first time to go out into their world and do their best to put their teacher's instructions into practice. Now, after traveling around the Roman province of Judea, teaching the crowds and healing the sick, Jesus laments over the sad condition of the people, likening them to sheep without a shepherd, and comments to those following him that there is much to be done, yet not enough workers. And it is here in the 10th chapter of Matthew's Gospel, we find Jesus calling forth from his group of followers 12, 12 disciples to whom he would give authority to complete a mission on his behalf. The individual mission Jesus gives them is found in a trio of goes. Do not go among the Gentiles or any of the towns of the Samaritans. Go, rather, to the lost sheep of Israel. As this is the first time the disciples will leave the protective oversight of Jesus to proclaim the good news on their own, Jesus initially limits their area of operations to the people that they, as Jews, would be most comfortable with. He then continues by giving them their basic orders. As you go, proclaim this message. The kingdom of heaven is near. And they have heard this message since Jesus began his ministry. They are to go to who they know, and they are to go with what they know. Now, after giving more specific instructions as to how they are to extend the message of the kingdom, Jesus ends the mission brief with a word of caution to his disciples, and it is here that I want to focus. He says, I am sending you out like sheep among wolves. Therefore, be as shrewd as snakes and innocent as doves. Now, it doesn't take the experience of growing up on a farm to know that in the world of the sheep and the wolf, the sheep is most certainly not the aggressor. In fact, the situation is far worse. The sheep is not only on the losing end of the predator-prey relationship, it lacks any natural ability to defend itself against the wolf. Jesus is telling his followers that he is sending them out, not as a conquering armor, armory, but as humble and vulnerable 
ambassadors. Here at KCS, you've been sheltered. And I think that's a good thing. I sometimes find it absurd when people use the word sheltered as a pejorative, uh, specifically when it is appropriate to be sheltered. I'd be surprised to find any person who, in the midst of a Category 5 hurricane, would refuse to be sheltered. Sheltering, especially for training purposes, can actually be more beneficial in the long run. It would be foolhardy and irresponsible to give a soldier a rifle for the first time just before ordering him to storm the beach at Normandy. No. Soldiers are given their weapons during basic training and under the watchful eyes of competent instructors learn how to put rounds downrange without worrying about rounds coming back at them. Hundreds of rounds fired in training later and a soldier is ready to perform everything from quick magazine changes to clearing a jam in the midst of the chaos of battle. And therein lies my point. A soldier does not stay in boot camp forever, nor would you want to. <laughs> and neither are you to remain at KCS forever. You have been educated in a sheltered environment, but not in a way that would safeguard you from difficult concepts and controversial topics but in a way that you could safely and openly wrestle with these ideas to synthesize your own thoughts and formulate your own opinions. Your, your teachers and I were more concerned with teaching you how to think rather than what to think. And as I have told you on many occasions, the goal for when you are done here is that you will own your knowledge. And if I may speak on behalf of my colleagues, I think you're ready. I think you're ready and I think you're equipped to leave the sanctuary that is KCS to engage the world at large. It is your time to go out as sheep among wolves, but don't for a second think that means you go defenseless. Jesus, when cautioning his disciples, qualifies in what way they are to go out as sheep among wolves. Not only are sheep fairly harmless, but they're also quite stupid. Not so shall it be with Jesus' disciples, and not so shall it be with you. He commands them to be shrewd as snakes and innocent as doves, two similes which are obviously in tension with one another. As a theologian, uh, N.T. Wright says, without innocence, shrewdness becomes manipulation. Without shrewdness, innocence becomes naivete. Though we face different crises and different problems to those of the first disciples, we still need that finely balanced character, reflecting so remarkably that of Jesus himself. If we are in any way to face what he faced and to share his work, we need to be sure that his own life becomes embodied in ours. So what would that look like? How would we do it? First, allow me a brief moment of candor. In preparation for this speech, I wanted to look back at what I said at your eighth grade graduation as yours was the last ceremony of its kind at KCS. And I thought that it'd be nice and actually rather clever if I could connect the themes uh, between the two messages. Sadly, I could not find my notes. <laughs> and sadder still, I could not actually remember the main point of what I communicated to you then. As I was in your position 20 years ago, I then tried to remember what was said to me during the commencement speech, or any of the speeches, uh, for that matter, at my graduation. And I came up blank again. So considering the reality that you may not remember most of what I am sharing with you today, 
I want you to pay close attention to these two practical ways in which you can be as shrewd as snakes and innocent as doves. First, be elite, not elitist. Be elite, not elitist. Every class at KCS has its own unique personality. And with that personality comes a reputation. If you would permit me a moment to indulge in a little less than formal language, you're all a bunch of hard chargers. And you've got a solid reputation. You have worked tirelessly. You have earned numerous accolades. And your insatiable curiosity has forced me to write lessons covering the Gnostic Gospels and Scientology at the expense of the material I originally intended to cover. <laughs> but as you take today to celebrate this milestone and all of the accomplishments leading up to it, never, ever, for once think that you are better than anyone else. You may have achieved much, but that does not confer superiority over you. Instead, your achievements demand from you responsibility. Consider the men and women of our military special operations community. They are among the best trained warfighters in the world, yet their reputation is as silent professionals. Infiltrating their target usually at night, they accomplish their missions without drawing unnecessary attention. Or consider Jesus, who did not consider equality with God as something to be exploited, but rather emptied himself, taking the form of the servant for the benefit of the world. In the same way, assume the responsibility that your gifts, abilities, and skill sets come with to serve your community. Be excellent at what you do, but be excellent not merely for your sake, but for the sake of others. Be elite, not elitist. And secondly, be right, not dead right. In the real world, as opposed to academia, the goal is not necessarily to get the right answer. In fact, getting the right answer is much simpler than balancing the multiple variables that influence interpersonal dialogue. And honestly, I'm sure it can be superficially rewarding to find yourself on the winning end of an X destroys Y YouTube or Instagram video. But if you're going to be as shrewd as snakes and innocent as doves, you need to consider the character, the nature, and the rules of engagement. As discussed all throughout your apologetics class, your life is your first argument. Before anyone is willing to hear what you have to say, especially if you're going to say anything about Jesus, they're going to take an inventory of your character. Live right so that you can be right, not dead right. Your class is known for arousing and rigorous debate, and I have enjoyed facilitating many an off-topic discussion, much to Leilani's chagrin. One of the points I try to stress as we argue through controversial issues is the need to liberally season the truth of your arguments with grace. As Robbie Zachariah says, there's no sense giving a person a rose after you've cut off his nose. Speak right so that you can be right, not dead right. And finally, you need to remember the purpose of the engagement. As the Apostle Paul wrote, our struggle is, against, is not against flesh and blood but against evil itself. As you go out and engage the world, remember that the people for whom Christ died are not your enemy, and that often it is better to grant a stalemate in order to keep the relationship. You can't reach the person who won't talk to you. Do right so that you can be right, not dead right. Be elite, not elitist. Be right, 
not dead right. Now, as mentioned in the beginning, I have a particular interest in the training of special operators. And one of the books that I've read several times over the last few years is The Warrior Elite, The Forging of Steel Class 228. The book details the training of a group of sailors as they endured the three basic phases of basic underwater demolition in SEAL school. After starting the conditioning phase of around 80 men, the class suffered through their crucible event, that is Hell Week, during week five of their training, and continued on through the dive phase and land warfare phase of the 24-week course, finally graduating with a class of 20. Though the graduates shipped off to commands and schools all over the country and deployed all over the world, they are forever bound together as class 228. In the same way, you have gone through your own intensive training. You have suffered through your own crucible event in your sophomore year and have come out the other side smarter and more resilient. And now, you too, will go off to schools around the country to further your training. Among you are future doctors and nurses, artists and architects, soldiers and scholars, engineers and technicians. And as you go, you will be forever bound, one to another, as the class of 2019, the servant elite. May God bless you. <laughs>